The following podcast contains language that some people describe as unsavory, but the first definition of savory is belonging to the category that is salty or spicy rather than sweet. So I guess we use unsavory language because it's so damn savory. Welcome to episode 330 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. This will air on Monday, December 27th, 2021. Um, wow, just around the corner on Wednesday is the February LSAT registration deadline. That's December 29th. And then we have the January LSAT starting the week of January 15th. Uh, if you have not yet attended Nathan's weekly LSAT study group, every other do week. so. Oh, sorry. Every other week class, um, it meets every other Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, and all you have to have is a demon-free account, and Nathan will get you to commit to studying every day. Yeah, we will be meeting on uh, Thursday, December 30th, so you can go ahead and sign up for that now. Just go to lsatdemon.com, get a free account, and sign up for that class. You can come talk to me on December 30th and then every other Thursday, uh, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Cool. Today on the show, we got an email from a listener who, wow, blew out everyone else from the water in terms of the number of minutes they've listened this last year. <laughs> Nearly double on the Spotify wrapped. Yeah. Yeah. 11,000 minutes. Pretty crazy. And then uh, give us an update on all the applications or all the schools that they had been accepted at so far, which is nice to hear. Then um, <laughs> we read some positive and negative reviews about yep. the show very quickly. And more importantly, we focused some time on an email from George Mason, and it was debunking LSAT myths. That was their email, and we actually debunked their debunking. So, yeah, debunk reversal. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they did a terrible job of debunking those myths. In fact, they seem like they strengthened their. Yeah. Things that they were supposedly debunking. Whatever. It's just clickbait. They're trying to get you to apply. Yep. Um, then we had another email from someone who has a uh, a much higher GPA at the end of their college career, if you want to call it that. And we said, yes, you should write an addendum for that. Got and into talk a little to them. Pop, <laughs> pop psychology talk there, too, about uh, you know some self-talk that uh, that correspondent was doing that we didn't like very much. Yep. Got some tips for gamifying the demon. Um, also, then finally ended on this super bizarre email from a low-ranking law school um, and their policy of averaging LSAT scores and why we think that's either a lie or very stupid. It's one or the other. <laughs> it's one of those two things. Because <laughs> if that's actually what they're doing, I can't see any reason why they would be doing that. I think that they are hurting their own reputation or they're we're missing something, and we'd love to hear it. But I, hearing it from such a lowly ranked school is going to be hard to swallow. <laughs> yeah, it's not working on some level. They right? can email. Anyways. They can email, or anybody else who has information about this can email help at thinkinglsat.com. We'd love to hear. Love to hear from you. Yep. Cool. Um, should we go into the show? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's jump in. So we have an email here from Palmer. Do you want to read it? Sure. Uh, I attached my Spotify wrapped as proof that I listened to the podcast for 11,277 minutes this year. 
That's 65 minutes for every LSAT point, another 456 minutes, and I would have scored perfectly. I'm not exactly sure how that all that math works out or what Palmer's actually doing, but um, we do have the screenshot of Spotify wrapped here. <laughs> I, the, the previous leader was 6,200. So Palmer went ahead and almost doubled the uh, previous gold medal <laughs> winner for thinking LSAT listening. Um, 134 episodes, which is more than we uh, released during the year. That's like more than that's almost three years actually worth of episodes um or two and a half years worth of episodes uh so palmer's clearly going into the back catalog and uh <laughs> binging thinking lsat but congratulations palmer you are now uh far and away the leader uh, on the uh, spotify wrapped <laughs> for the year Palmer says, I also figured I'd include a cycle update while I'm here. 3.76 GPA, 173 LSAT, uh, STEM degree, three-year WE. Do you know what that means? Nope. Don't know what that means. Uh, and then Palmer shared... Work experience. Work experience. Oh, three years work experience. Okay. Um Palmer has been waitlisted at UVA, and that happened on October 19th. Just to give you a sense of how early even some top 10 law schools are actually out there making decisions. You know, maybe not Harvard, Stanford, Yale, but UVA, <laughs> you're waitlisted in the middle of October. Okay, how good of a chance do you think you have been if you apply in December for UVA? I mean, <laughs> Palmer, yeah, you get it. You got to get past the wait list of people. Palmer's who... a three point seven six with a one seventy three and a STEM degree and three yeah. years of work experience, and UVA is like, yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> and then there's we'll get these back other to people just like fantasy land, thinking, oh, well, I'm going to apply with worse numbers than that and apply in January. Sorry, dude, you're you're four months behind Palmer. Um, yeah, you have to do better than Palmer because anyone who's on the wait list and already better than you is just someone that could be chosen before you, but has not been right. You think that they're going to (laughs) like, like imagine if it's just an equivalent applicant, right? Like a new applicant who has exactly the same numbers and same resume as Palmer. Yeah. Well, what you think they're going to just like, Oh, we'll take this guy. <laughs> like, no, of course not. Why would they no. do that? They've no. already evaluated Palmer's application. I mean, they're probably not even going to look at your application unless it's like got numbers that are higher than Palmer's numbers. Um, Palmer has also been accepted at university of Michigan. That happened December 8th, UCLA on December 6th. Georgetown on November 3rd, Wash U in St. Louis on October 8th, George Washington Law School on November 23rd, and Chicago, Kent on November 19th. So these are, you know, some of them top... Six choices, yeah. (laughs) These are top 10s and top 14s and top 25s. These are, you know, strong law schools. Uh, and Palmer's already in. And um, so, yeah, we are officially late in the cycle. You know, 
I would love to. I'm glad you got into these schools, Palmer, but I'd really love to know how much money you well, got yeah. because, yeah, that's what we're really. I think you know, we that's... can assume, you know, I, I would guess that the scholarship estimator is going to, I'm, I'm going to actually do it now. So lsatdemon.com slash scholarships with an S. And I am going to put in Palmer's 3.79 and Palmer's 173. No, sorry, 3.76 and a 173. Scholarships unlikely to, yeah, all the top 14, including UCLA and Georgetown. Uh, but yeah, I mean, let's see, where's, wow, even George Washington, unlikely. Hmm. Where's Washington University? Oh, there it is. Unlikely at Wash U. With a 3.76 and a 173. Wow. Um, this, uh, I, I think, know... by the way, I think the scholarship estimator has the new numbers. That's just what I was going to say. <laughs> so, and that's pushing these things down. Wow, it's significant. That is pushing. I, I wonder what Palmer would have done with a couple more LSAT points. Let's change mm -hmm. that 173 to a 176. Yeah, now all of a sudden UCLA becomes more than full tuition. Holy shit. Wait a second. 173, 3.76, scholarship unlikely to UCLA. 176, unlikely. and it becomes more than full tuition at UCLA. That's a little, I don't know. Um, you know, our team will check that. Um, Brittany and company, please uh, take a look at that. But I... I don't doubt it. I, I just, oh, same thing with Wash U. I mean, when you look at those schools, like, let's look, let's see, is this the new 509 for UCLA? Yeah, 2021. Oh, it's been imported. Good. Yeah. 2021 um, standard 509 information report. Well, I don't know. Their 75th percentile is just 171 at UCLA. Uh, Palmer's grades are actually below their 50th. So that's an example of where that STEM thing, I think, really might kick in. There, there aren't that many applicants that look like that, right? Like 3.76 in STEM. Yeah. And so I could see Palmer becoming um, an exception to that rule. Or just an exception to these uh, estimator results. If you're poli sci, you're not going to get that exception. But if you're, if you studied, you know, aeronautical engineering or something, then mm -hmm. there's a good chance that you might uh, buck those estimates. Okay. Anyway, anything else yeah. for uh, Palmer, our number one super fan? Yeah. The only edit I would make is he said he spent he spent 65 minutes for every LSAT point that he earned. So he took his 11,000 minutes and divided it by 173, but I would okay. actually divide it by 53 because I don't consider the first 120 minute her first 120 true points. Yeah, actually anything you can earn, right? You can't earn those true. points. You could there are only, only 60 up. points on the actual scale. It goes from 120 to 180. So you actually spent 213 minutes. <laughs> 
her point. <laughs> so Good that's job. about yeah. You've got to listen to um, a couple episodes per per point. that point on the one twenty hmm. to one eighty scale. Yeah, interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Palmer, for writing in. Good luck. Uh, please write us back and let us know how our number one super fan ends up the cycle. Uh, you've got lots of time to negotiate and you've got lots of great offers already in your pocket. And this is where we want everybody to be like, please be Palmer. Apply in the beginning of the cycle with your best LSAT score to multiple schools, have multiple offers on the table in the fall. Palmer had multiple offers before Thanksgiving. That's yep. that's how, that's what you need to do, and uh, just watch what's going to happen. Like Palmer's going to end up going to Michigan with a stipend or something. Like something good's going to happen to Palmer. Um, okay. Cool. So what? Where did we get this next thing? This is is this from? Um, <laughs> so it's two H- things that Haley I kinda, or Alex. <laughs> it's two things that I combined into one. The first thing is um, I got an announcement that Spotify now has podcast ratings. So yeah. if you like our bullshit, would you please just take two seconds to go in Spotify and hit the five stars? And if you have ten seconds, hit the five stars and also say something. Just say anything about about our podcast um good or bad honestly because like even bad stuff it's weird but bad stuff helps us because um it shows that there's engagement and then i have i i enjoyed the uh these two (laughs) reviews you want to read these uh two these this came from i think chartable is where i got this but um i get emails now from chartable telling us how we're doing on on uh but these are both reviews from apple podcasts Yep. So this first one was on December 7th. Thank you. HDS something, yada, yada, number, like letters, random assortment of of letters. And the title of this review is Hosts. We get one star and it says, these guys are jerks. Yep. And that was on December 7th. Um, And by the way, you didn't include a period. So your your sentence is a little, it's like hanging there. Uh, uh, concise though. I mean, that got to the point. Uh, this person yep. thinks we're jerks and uh, gave us one star and said we're jerks. The next one. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> the next one is from. I I still can't. I have no idea what your name is, but I have never known a love like this. That's, That's the title. I can't. I just. I laughed like ten times yesterday. I want this person to know that you made me laugh with your review title of "I have never known a love like this." period that gives me a chuckle and that's all i wanted to really say about that but go ahead you can read it sure this is five stars and it says this podcast is one hundred thousand percent exactly what i have been looking for exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point it's hard to find information about the lsat that doesn't feel like listening to a brick wall speak these guys are entertaining and absolutely hilarious exclamation point. I've already sent this podcast to my LSAT study group. It's a dot, dot, dot. It continues, but I screenshotted it. So we don't have the rest of that review, but thank you very much. It looks like that might be Amy uh, writing in via Apple podcasts. And I am glad Amy that you understand what we're trying to do, which is we're trying to talk about extremely dry, boring shit in a manner that is not extremely dry and boring. So um, yeah. we do not intend to be jerks. I know Ben pretty damn well, and I do not think that Ben is a jerk. Um, 
Thanks, man. Uh, <laughs> you're one of the like nicest people that I know. So I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe I only know jerks worse than you, but I don't <laughs> think that you're, I do not think that you're a jerk at all. Um, as for myself, I know that my tone can seem jerkish, but, uh, all, uh, honestly, all I'm trying to do is to teach you some things and help as much as I can. I, <laughs> I, really I mean, I think you're direct. Right What's that? Yeah, <laughs> I think you're direct, but yeah, I mean, there's also people who value that. Um, yes, yeah. I, ha- I have I been know. told that I'm rare in my directness, that I just kind of get to the point and just go ahead and say it. And that might not that that strikes people as uncouth or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to get to the fucking point so that we can learn something yeah i i I see it as my like i mean as a teacher i i love teaching i have loved it since the first day i ever did it i just loved it and as a teacher i really feel like my primary responsibility is to be honest i have to be honest always i have to get as close to the truth as i can in order for my students to believe me that I'm telling the truth. If I, if I'm ever bullshitting you, then I, 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 I've always felt like the class could tell immediately if you were lying. And so I'm not going to like sugarcoat things or beat around the bush. I'm just going to kind of get to what I think is the reality. Yeah. You know? Um, so I apologize if I come off as a jerk, but I, Really, all I'm trying to do is help. Cool. So leave a review if you're willing to do that. Spotify now accepts them. Um, pearls versus turds. This is where we evaluate some advice that's been sent out into the ether and decide whether it's a pearl or a turd. The scoreboard so far is 16 pearls, 57 turds, and 24 ties. Today's um, piece of wisdom or supposed wisdom comes from george mason yeah george mason school of law yeah Mm -hmm. eric uh team member eric forwarded this to us because george mason is uh spamming potential law school applicants (laughs) the uh the subject says lsat myths debunked exclamation point oh wow this is their own pearls versus turds Yep. We're going to put them through their... This is coming to us from Antonin Scalia Law School at George Mason University. Okay. And... This is in my backyard, by the way. Good y- school. It's an okay school. Um, I mean, what what does it rank in D.C.? Hmm. It's like, in D.C.? It's like 30, 40, No, I mean, in the there. D.C. schools. Oh, in the D.C.? I don't... Um, I mean, yeah, George... Washington, Georgetown, UVA, those are better schools, but I would okay, say so it's, it's up the there. fourth best. Yeah. In the DC area. Um, yeah. so it's a uh, it's a fine regional school. Yeah. All right. Impressive performance in undergrad often speaks loudly on a law school application. At the end of the day, <laughs> an applicant's law school potential is about more than their LSAT score. They just state that as a fact right off the top. 
Okay, well, I mean, I don't disagree. No, I don't what they say, What they say in the beginning, impressive performance in undergrad often speaks loudly on a law school application. What you're really referring to is GPA. Right. So if what they're saying in this first paragraph is, hey, your LSAT score and your GPA are what matters, then I agree 100%. Um, I think they're trying to suggest that there's so much more to the application process, but I don't really think there is. Okay, so there's three myths. Okay. Myth number one, the LSAT is the most important part of your application. It goes on and it says, the LSAT is one of the many pieces of information included in a law school application. While the LSAT is critical, other factors are equally important in our holistic application review exclamation point. I think they might have misspelled holistic there. Hmm. Is that, am I wrong? I could be wrong. I can look it up. No, there's no way holistic has two L's in it. Okay. Holistic so, is one. Yep. Yeah. So that's a misspelling. Um, at Scalia Law, we evaluate every single page of an application thoroughly. Oh, I don't Remember, believe that. Any information requested from the admissions office is important to our admission and scholarship review. Okay, so did they debunk the LSAT is the most important part of your application? <laughs> well, if I took their evidence literally, other factors are equally important. If that is actually true, then yes, the LSAT can't by definition be the most important thing. Well, no, but I, don't... I disagree. If they are equally important, then they are all the most important part. I think you can only have one thing that's the most important. Really? Yeah, I think they're kind of the most important. So there's multiple parts that are equally important. Can't be the most important along with other things that are also the most important? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> So based on on my at least my definition of most important, All right. they have debunked that. But that's assuming this premise: other factors are quote equally important. And I that to have... I just cannot accept. I cannot accept that premise is true. Maybe GPA is equally important. It probably is equally important. Well, in some well, actually, we know right. Index uh, formulas indicate that in for some schools, GPA is actually more important. Other schools, probably GPA not George is, Mason. Probably not George Mason. Yeah, GPA I'll, is less important, but I would say most schools, LSAT's a little more important than allow GPA. Allow me to um, look at their uh, ABA 509 report because one thing that's nice about law school claims is that we can then kind of compare law school claims with law school 509 reports and we can look at like what they're actually doing versus what they say they're doing. Um, their 75th percentile LSAT was 166 for okay. the 2021 first year class. Okay. Their 50th percentile LSAT was 164. Two points down. Okay. So, Yeah. Now, their 25th percentile is all the way down at 158. Hmm. But that's just because this isn't a super prestigious school. I mean, this is just, this is like an okay law school. Um, like I said, fourth best in the D.C. area. So there are better options for more qualified applicants. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I, I mean, look, 
25% of their class has an LSAT between 164 and 165. Yeah. <laughs> because another 25% of their class has a 166 or higher. Which is probably r- roughly 166, 167, 168. Yeah, they're not, they don't have a lot of 180s. Yep. Because those people would have gone to better schools. So, you know, they, they can say anything they want, but until their range of LSAT scores as reported on their public data, until that range broadens, well, then the facts indicate (laughs) that you admit a, an extremely narrow range of LSAT. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're actually parsing this out very, you know, lawyerly. Other factors are equally important. And by other factors, they just mean GPA. Oh, yeah, because factors, it doesn't necessarily have to be more than one thing. (laughs) Nope. So technically what they've said here is possibly true, but even then, Their ranges of GPA, it looks, by the way, it looks really similar, right? Their strategy seems to be the same for LSAT and GPA. Because their 75th percentile GPA is 3.88. Their 50th percentile GPA is 3.81. So 0.07 GPA points between the 50th percentile and the 75th percentile on GPA. But then the 25th percentile, it drops all the way down to 3.41. So, yeah, they are willing to make some exceptions for a low LSAT or a low GPA. Yeah. But not too low. And certainly not both of those things at once. Um, That would be very rare that they're going to make that exception. And in that case, of course, they're going to charge you full price, which would be a mistake to pay full price at a school like this, because when we look down at their grants and scholarships for 2020, 2021, um, they gave 89% of their class a scholarship. (laughs) So there are 11% of the class who are actually paying sticker. Wow. This is more common, more and more common, it seems like, where they just almost nobody gets charged full price. Like if you get charged full price, you're getting super screwed. But they did. You are at the bottom. You are at the bottom, bottom, bottom 11%. Yep. You're paying more than 89% of the people there. So if you go into that, and I would suspect that most people who are paying full freight are not happy that they didn't get a scholarship, but at the same time, probably not unhappy, yeah. right? They're just like, oh, I'm, yeah, okay, I got in, yay. And, I'm in at okay, this super what's, prestigious what's, fourth best law school in D.C. And and what do I pay? Okay, well, that's the cost of law school. All right, here what we go. What do I pay? What is it? Oh, yeah, uh, non-resident is $38,000 a semester. Uh, resident is 23000 a semester. 38 a semester? Oh, wait, sorry, per annual now, maybe that is per year. Wait, but that seems low, actually. Well, you think it's, a state, the... it's a state school. Oh, okay. So maybe that is. All right. So non-resident is 38 and a half. Resident is 23,000. Really? 23,000 to go to George Mason? Really? Maybe so. GMU? Well. I know that these used to be per semester, and we've seen glitches on these forms before. Yeah. Um, per year tuition per year is 23,000. Yeah. That's for a resident. Good price. Okay. Plus another three grand. That's in, in line with like Canadian schools. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. 
But, yeah, uh, but they, but even that, I mean, this just goes to show how ridiculously law schools are overpriced because even that, they're hardly charging anybody that. They're only charging 11% of their class that. That's crazy. And then and another 29% of the class is getting something less than half, which I have a feeling a lot of those are real bottom feeding grant amounts. Um, Here, here's $5,000. Now you feel better exactly. about yourself. And then you feel better about yourself and like I, you know, hope that you don't see the rest of this report where 42% of the class gets somewhere between half and full, 12% get full and 6% get more than full. 6%. So, <laughs> so How big this, is their class? Uh, big 484 total students. And of those, uh, yeah, 300 of them are getting somewhere more than half or half or more. Yeah, but that, that's that, 30 people are getting like paid to go there. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, anyways, yeah, no, it's a lot of it's 18 percent of the people who are paying nothing at all. Six percent of the people are getting paid. 18 percent are paying nothing at all. And 60 percent. Yeah. 42 plus 12 plus six. 60 percent are getting something more than 50 percent. Off. Wow. So just like, yeah, you need to tell them to take that $7,500 scholarship offer or $10,000 scholarship offer and shove it because like sure. they're still charging you more than they're charging 60% of the class. So that's a bad offer. Imagine going to the Apple store and um, realizing that more than half, that 60% of the people in the store right then and there are getting 50% off on their on their iPhone. Yeah, you're about to pay $1400 or whatever for that phone. <laughs> and more than half the people in the store are paying $600. For yep. the same They phone. have a coupon that says 50% off and you're like, "Where'd 50, you get that?" And they're like, "Well, 60% off, 75% off, 90% off." <laughs> Some people are being paid to come buy an iPhone. <laughs> free, yeah, or yeah. Also, free phone and we'll throw in some AirPods. Yeah, that's, that's the game we're playing when we apply to law schools. And so, yeah, it's our primary mission here is to get you to play the game correctly, which means uh, don't pay. Yes. Just, just get yourself one of these scholarships. Okay. Anyway, myth number one, they say the LSAT is the most important part of your application. I don't think they did a very good job of debunking that. They didn't present facts that actually justify their purported debunking. Yeah. Okay. Number two, myth. Scholarships are only awarded to students with high LSAT scores. Okay, the problem with debunking <laughs> this myth is it's it's super easy to debunk. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, only, I, like, you just need one person. You're like, oh, I found well, one person. <laughs> well, exactly. Because only would mean yep. that, like, all they need is one exception, right? Yep. Do they give us that data, though? Let's see. Here's what they actually say. I mean, sure, they could debunk that if they said, hey, look at Bill. Bill was a 4.0 and a 150. And yep. Bill's here on a full scholarship. That would yep. Then that myth would be debunked. Instead, what they say is most of Scalia Law School's scholarships are based on academic merit. Although the LSAT is one way to define academic merit, an individual's undergraduate GPA also shows academic prowess, exclamation point. <laughs> For the incoming class of 2021, 93% of students were awarded scholarships, space, 
hyphen space. Ugh. Including students with LSATs below our median exclamation point. Wow, whoa, that's whoa, whoa. three exclamation points already. They just admitted that they're giving scholarships to 93% of their students. Yeah. That's an interesting admission. It's like you're inviting people to ask for money. Well, it's weird because the 509 only says 89%. Um, hmm. Well, I guess that's from... Hmm. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows Wait, what's going on here? You know what's strange about this myth number two, or this debunking in myth number two, is that it actually kind of... I mean, I, I depending on how critically you want to look at myth number one, but in some ways it kind of admits that the two numbers that are at play here are GPA and LSAT. It's like, oh, oh. although LSAT is one way to define academic merit, an individual's undergraduate GPA also shows academic prowess. It's like... Yeah. Okay, are you going to talk about anything else, or are you going to just admit that those are the two things you look to to decide academic merit? Yeah. Um, my thing is, it's like a straw man argument. They're, look at what they're doing here. They're going to debunk the myth that scholarships are only awarded to students with high LSAT scores. But I don't think anybody thinks that scholarships are only awarded to students with high LSAT scores. I believe full scholarships. Well, I believe that scholarships are primarily awarded to students with high LSAT scores. Yeah. (laughs) But like, sure, there are exceptions. I mean, all you would need is one exception to say, no, no, it's not only. And, well, know, it's also what, only talking about scholarships as opposed to full scholarships, so it's really easy to do. Yeah, and right, with 93% of your students getting some shitty offer, then yeah, of course, they can give some low LSAT offers because that's the that's the scam offer, which you guys give. I mean, I mean look at it again. It's actually, this it's is, interesting. Like, yeah, you're right. It's a scam offer because it's actually worse maybe than... Yeah. No, and not paying at all because now people feel good. They're like, yeah, oh, 29% of your class is there on one of these scam offers. 29% of your class is getting something less than half tuition. And so, yeah, sure. You gave some of those real bad offers to people with low LSATs. Great. I, I just, I don't believe you that you're giving full rides to people who have LSATs like <laughs> below your median. Uh, that's just oh, not happening. Yeah. No. Um, okay. Number three, myth number three, students with high LSAT scores do better in law school. And now they say that this is a myth. What? They say that's a myth? This Other people have studied this. I mean, that, yeah, you need to look at your LSAT and surprise, surprise, your GPA to figure out how likely you're going to succeed it, in law it's school. It's not a but. myth. It's a fact <laughs> that students with high LSAT scores tend to do better in law school. Students with high GPAs also tend to do better in law school. Students with high LSATs and high GPAs tend to do better in law school. That's not a myth. That's a fact. Here's how they debunk this fact, which okay. is, listen to this argument. The LSAT is one of many factors that helps predict an applicant's ability to perform well in law school, but a prediction is just that, space dash, now it's an M dash, space dash. It's an N dash, I think. The previous one was just a dash. Yeah. Space. Well, not yet to up to an M dash, though. This is an N dash. Oh, an N dash, sorry. Yeah. Space N dash, space, a prediction, exclamation point. 
Okay, so <laughs> it's a garbage sentence. I think there might be a subject verb agree uh, disagreement there because I, I thought we might need help predict, not helps. Pre one of many factors. If you were going to say one of many that, I'm not sure if that would be help or helps. Oh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, do you go back to the original LSAT? Do you go back one of to many the one, factors, or is it the many? No, I think that that the that in this sentence is modifying factors. So it Therefore, should be that help. One of many factors yeah. that help. Yep. Yeah, okay. So that's bad. All right. Well, that's okay. Anyway, <laughs> they in their attempt to debunk the myth, the very first thing out of their mouth is an acceptance of it as a fact. They they grant that the LSAT is one of the factors that helps predict an applicant's ability. Yep. And they go on. <laughs> and then they say Though the LSAT is a good indicator for success in law school. Comma, missing comma. There are several students with below median LSATs who have performed. And then it goes on. And again, I just had to screenshot this because I couldn't copy paste their email for whatever reason. So that's 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 the end. But I think we have enough here to declare this a turd. Yeah, well, it's just funny, too, because saying that there are several students with below median LSATs who have performed well is unsurprising. I mean, no one's going around saying, oh, if you don't have a high LSAT score, then you're going to fail. We recognize there are some exceptions. It's like all social science. We're looking for trends. This email fails at LSAT logical reasoning. That's what yeah. this email fails at. Both their discussion of myth number two and their discussion of myth number three have, have committed logical fallacies. Yeah. The fact that there are several students with below median LSATs who have performed well in law school does not debunk the idea that students with high LSAT scores tend to do better in law school. Yeah. No one is saying only high LSAT people get scholarships. No one is yeah. saying only high LSAT people do well in law school, but we are definitely saying that high LSATs tend to get scholarships. And we are also saying that's, that high LSATs tend to do better in law school. Neither of those things are myths, and you have not debunked the myth. I would go even further. I would say we're, we're saying that high LSAT scores tend to get full scholarships. <laughs> yeah, not only right. do they tend to get scholarships, but they tend to get the best scholarships. Whereas other people don't tend to get those. <laughs> yeah, and you point, I mean, this is just, like you could absolutely make bogus LSAT logical reasoning arguments out of these statements. Yep. that are coming out of the admissions office at George Mason, which is just like, stop listening to law schools for law school admissions advice. We've said yeah. that recently. It's just, you're, you're listening to the fox who is guarding the hen house. And that is not the person that you want to take your advice from. Hey, by the way, stepping back, what's the point of all these debunkings, right? They are trying to debunk the idea, the, the point of this email is to make you feel better about applying with a low LSAT score. Why are they doing that? So they can then give you a fake, what'd you call it? A phone, like a, a scam scholarship or nothing and help yeah. and use you to pay for the students who have gotten real scholarships. It's a scammership. This is... this. <laughs> they offer a lot of scammerships. For They're trying to get you to apply, yeah. Yeah, 29% of their class gets a scammership of less than half tuition. And it 
yeah, all they want is your application. They, they, that's like job one is to get the application in. And that's why they give such shitty advice about the LSAT and law school personal statements. Oh, write about whatever, write about, oh, write about why you want to be, write about your childhood experiences that made you want to be a lawyer, write about your family's personal legal dramas, write about Mm. anything you want. And it's like, because they don't care. They want your application. That's, they just want to make it as easy as possible for you to line up to try to give them money. Yep. That's, they're in, it's a business. They are, I mean, even if it's a state school, whatever, it's a business. And they need revenue. So they're just trying, uh, anyway. Yep. So clear turd here. Tasteful. Yes. Yeah. You want to wrap that up? Is that? <laughs> I don't. Have, I don't have anything yeah. more to say about this. I, yeah, my yeah, estimation of George Mason has fallen. Yeah. Um. I, I. You know. I'm not. They're. They are. I just think that they are extremely representative of all of the. They're just. That's the game. I mean, that's most law schools look like this. Yep. Which is they're they're giving these fake scholarships. They're they are the the primary thing that they're interested in is getting you to apply. And they're out there giving lots of bad advice. You know, it's this clickbaity LSAT myths debunked email. Yeah. That they're that they're sending out to everybody who, you know, within thousands of miles who might apply to their law school. <laughs> and they're not debunking shit. I mean, in fact, they seem like they reinforced every single one of these things. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, you got a Pearl versus Turd candidate. Email help at thinkinglsat.com or find us on social at thinkinglsat, and we will tell you what we think. Um, this next email is from M. Hello, Ben and Nathan. I hope this email finds you well. I have almost strictly listened to your podcast since discovering it in November. You are both a hoot, and you are truly making studying for the LSAT more fun. Sadly, I discovered the demon after purchasing a, a Kaplan course, which now sits untouched. But never mind this and to my question, which I'm sure will not be my last. I listened to your recent Thinking LSAT podcast with Harvard 2L Melissa Anderson. That was nice, by the way, to talk to her. And I was curious about when it makes sense to write an addendum for probably unnecessary background. I will be applying to schools in 2022 when I will be three years out of school. I am a URM, uh, underrepresented minority, who went on a full scholarship to a private liberal arts college, and I plan on, per your advice, going to law school with a full ride as well. Love this. This is all sounding really, really good. It's great. Excellent. My my undergrad GPA is 3.69. My major GPA in a law-related major is 3.92. Okay. Side note, my junior and senior GPA is 4.05. Okay, definitely something worth mentioning in an addendum, I think. My 3.69 comes from science and math gen ed. Yuck! Classes I took during my freshman and sophomore years of college. Would this be worth writing an addendum about? Sorry, I answered your question already. Yes, but keep it short. One of these grades includes a C minus. I don't care. I know a 3.69 is not a horrible GPA, but a 3.92 and a 4.05 respectively are much better. Yes. Okay. I think the, the quick answer is yes, and it could be two sentences, right? One sentence. My overall GPA is 3.96, period. 
my junior and senior years, I maintained a GPA of 4.05. That's all I would say. I, I don't want you to take a swipe at science and math. No, 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 no. Or bring up this. See, if you start talking about this class that you got a C minus in, what you're doing is you're bringing that person's mind to that problem. Yep. You don't want you don't want to be a mosquito who's biting somebody and then now bringing their attention to that mosquito. You want to be someone who's right. like, "Look at the look at the uh, sunrise. Look how beautiful right. it is." And the sunrise is your GPA from your junior and senior yep. year. Love it. Point to good facts, don't point to bad facts. Yep. Your, that C minus is a bad fact. Do not mention yep. it. The um excuses are bad facts excuses are mental states that they don't want to yeah. hear about yeah making any ex- the fact that you suck at science and math is a bad fact that does, that hurts your application that doesn't help your application like my estimation of you goes down when i hear you say yuck related to science and math i'm sorry but that's a fact like that's just how i feel about it i i i <laughs> you you are going to encounter science and math related issues in your legal career in law school and in your legal career. And you trumpeting the fact that you don't like science and math is nothing but bad for you. So you got to stop saying that. I appreciate that you're sharing it with us because we're your pals and you know, we're here to help you. That's true. But don't ever say that to anybody else ever again. It's just not, (laughs) well, why would you, why, why would you, you're bringing up bad shit about yourself. Stop it. Actually, you know, that's an interesting point and you don't want to say it to yourself either. No. I think a lot of people end up doing poorly in math early on in education. And by the way, if you went through public schools, yeah. you probably didn't have the best of education. Uh, I'm not just, just sorry. That's just true. That's just a probability, right? Like anyone out there in the public school system runs the risk of maybe taking a math class from a teacher who wasn't probably the best teacher for that subject. I have no idea. Let's assume for a second that you unfortunately didn't have the best of math teachers or science teachers in one of your classes. You didn't do as well as you could have done. You start to think of yourself as someone who's not good at math, but it turns out you just didn't have a great class or a great teacher. Um, a lot of people can do math and science who think they can't. So you need to stop saying yuck to these things and start getting curious about them. Maybe find audiobooks on them. I'm listening to an audiobook right now about physics it is extraordinarily fascinating. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I like this self-talk idea. You know, I mean, M, um, you're, you're, you're still studying for the LSAT. There's going to be a reading comp passage about science on it. Yep. Are you going to just see that and go, oh, yuck? Yuck. I, ew, yuck. Science? Yuck. I'm not good at that. I got C minuses in science and math. I, I got a, I got bad grades in sciences and science and math. Are you like deciding before you even get there that you're going to underperform on a logical reasoning question that has something to do with biology or a reading comp passage that has something to do with physics? Are you, are you just like, cause even if it's only subconsciously, every time you say yuck about science and math, you're just reinforcing that you're bad at that stuff. Yeah, it becomes self-fulfilling. So then you don't pay attention to it. And of course, then when you're asked anything about it, you don't know the answer. Have you read The Four Agreements, Ben? Nope. It's this like hippy-dippy kind of self-help book that I read recently. 
that um, I, I got to reread it again. It's got some stuff in it that I just don't even understand at all. But it's got one of the four agreements is be impeccable with your word. And hmm. my understanding, or at least what I took away from it, is it, that it really was mostly about self-talk. Hmm. That you shouldn't say things that you don't really mean and you shouldn't you shouldn't say things that you're not trying to like embody into your experience of life. Hmm. And so, you know, when you say things like science and math, yuck. Well, really? Like, is it, is it really like, you're just, that's, that's what, that's how you want to be in the world. Like that's, that's what you want your life to be. You want science and math to be yuck for like, your whole life experience yeah no. i mean i bet i bet 100 that m's experience in school with math and science was not as good as it could have been yeah, and then of course it sure. became rein, reinforcing right yep um and so then anytime you encountered math and it didn't go well you you sort of see it as that but math and science are actually extraordinarily fascinating yeah like you just not you just haven't <laughs> Learn about them in yeah. a context watch, that's interesting. Watch Planet Earth. Watch Blue Planet. Read some books by like popularizers of science. Right. Read yeah. uh, Oliver Sacks about psychology, or the and the brain, or or like we can refer you to lots of cool stuff. Like read Richard Feynman about physics. Or, but yeah, don't don't carry this with you. This is an anchor that that you're carrying around. Yeah. Um, now <laughs> we're like attacking M for uh, <laughs> overall. It's a very uh, nice email, but yeah. Do trying not... to figure out whether to write an addendum. And <laughs> well, Ben's first advice though, is the advice that we need to let leave M with, which was my junior and senior GPA is 4.05 period. That's it. <laughs> like, yep. you know, may, or maybe state your cumulative GPA and then point to the fact that your junior and senior GPA was 4.05 and leave yeah. that 4.05 ringing in their ears. Not yuck about science and math, not, oh, this person got a C minus, not this person did poorly during their freshman and sophomore years. Instead, we're just going to point to the sunrise, which is the 4.05 in that junior senior year. I think I would write it like this with one sentence. Although my overall GPA is a 3.69 comma, I raised or I maintained or raised, I maintained a GPA of 4.05 my junior and senior years of college or something like that. Yeah, and that's it because that's just you don't need any conclusions. You just put that fact and then you give them an opportunity to anchor on the 4.05 instead of anchoring on the 3.69. Yep. Now, is that trick going to work? Mostly no, because they have to report your 3.69. But to the extent for, that it's even yep. possible to make them anchor on that higher number, uh, yeah, you should give them the opportunity to do so with that very simple, but no excuses. Not Don't put one excuse, let alone yeah. two. I mean, and I definitely think you should do it because I agree with you that it's not going to make a big difference. But at the same time, when she's being compared to other applicants 
who have a similar 3.69 and I saw, wow, your, your last two years were a 4.05. I mean, that's so much higher. I would say to myself, oh, okay, this is a diamond in the rough. We're not going to get any credit for it, but when you come here, you're going to kick ass better than someone who has the same numbers as you. Yeah. She, you know what? I guess M could throw in both those facts, right? You could throw in the 3.92 as well. I was thinking about that, but I thought it might like muddy the number, like just get too many numbers. It it builds though. If you say my undergraduate GPA is 3.69, but my major, my, my GPA in, and then probably name the law related major. You could say my major GPA is 3.92 and my junior and senior GPA is 4.05, then just stop. Don't say why the 3.69 is lower. Don't mention any of that bad shit. Just point to the fact that you, the 4.05 is the thing you want to highlight the most. I totally, yes. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's move on. Uh, this PS, I apologize for the lengthy email and the likely not up to snub grammar. Um... Do you think the grammar here was up to snub? No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was. I didn't really notice anything. So if you, there were any mistakes, it wasn't glaring enough to stop and comment on. The phrase is up to snuff. The phrase is not up to snub. <laughs> it's up to snuff uh, with two Fs if you're going to use that that idiom. I oh, imagine yeah. it's an idiom. I don't know what it is even referring to, but you would never you say snub. Up to snub. <laughs> yeah. You snub people, right? You if someone them. invites you to their Thanksgiving party and you don't go, you have snubbed them. What does snuff mean? Up to snuff? I do not know the origin of that. I do know that snuff is a, um, isn't that like a Victorian era tobacco thing? Where people I have like, no idea. Yeah, it has something to do with tobacco. Um, oh, well, as a verb, it's snuff is to snuff out a candle. That makes sense. I had, let's see if with a noun. Oh, yeah. Noun. Powdered. Yeah, if you snuff. like. Well, a no, I get candle. that. Or like snuff films are like, you know, murder films. But um, but then the up to snuff doesn't make any sense. Well, you're, the noun definition is powdered tobacco. So maybe it originated. Is it up to snuff? Is it up to that? Is it this fine to, tobacco that quality? Yeah. yeah. It must be. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. We got a couple more emails. Ready to move it along? <laughs> yeah. You got this one. Alan says, hello. I listened to your podcast the other day where you mentioned gamifying the LSAT. I think a possible way to do this would be to implement a ranking system where you could compete against other players. I suppose this suggestion has already been made, but mine would include some differences. So, Ben, we've already been working on leaderboards for Mm -hmm. Mm LSATdemon.com. Okay, so we are working on something similar to this, but I thought that I would propose these ideas to you and see if you liked any of them. One, um, Alan wants ranked seasons, which would happen every week or every month in order to keep everyone on a level playing field. So basically just starting over. We were going to do something similar with our leaderboards, right? Because the leaderboards were going to reset every day or every week mm-hmm. or whatever. Yep, every day at first, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number two, achieving a certain rank, say rank one, would give you a discount on the next month or merchandise or whatever rewards. Mm, so tangible rewards, okay. Some kind of rewards for people who really kick ass on the leaderboards. I think that's a great idea. Um, I like the giving out the demon swag, like this yep. sweet hat. Um, achieving the highest rank would reset you to a higher rank than the lowest rank, 
which would encourage you to play each ranked season. Oh, wait, I think I get this. It's like, it's almost like in, right, in the gaming world, you have different tiers, right? Oh, you're a silver player or you're a, you're a gold player or platinum or whatever. Basically, when the reset happens, you don't go all the way back to zero. You keep some yeah. of your progress, but not all of your progress. Okay. Um, I can see something there once we get into a more evolved version of these leaderboards. Another possible idea, depending on the amount of users you have, is to implement a head-to-head option, which would happen in real time and would grant points depending on if you got a correct answer slash how fast you completed it. This, if we could do this, I think it would be amazing. Where you're logged on to the demon and you see like, okay, there's a hundred other people logged onto the demon at the same time. And you guys do the same question and you could compete head to head on questions. Yeah. Game go. That would be awesome. That would be interesting. You could see, uh, yeah, the other player, like, you know, in Mario Kart, you have like little, uh, map yeah, or like see playing Tetris against somebody head to head. You can see what that you can see them putting the lines together and you're struggling to put the lines all, together. All you could know is like, you, they got two wrong and you got one wrong. That'd be, <laughs> yeah. Don't know yeah. which one they got wrong, but cool. Well, I mean, we, Alan, these things are still months away, but um, we would love to do as much of this as we possibly can. We do want to make the LSAT as fun uh, as we can and uh, gamifying the demon to the extent that we can. We we certainly will will do it. So I would thank say you for your ideas. They're only a month away because right now we are throwing our development resources is at, at two things. One is a native app for iPhone and Android. And two is um, revamping the Thinking LSAT website with more content, free content and accessible content. So Great. those are coming out soon. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll work toward those leaderboards just as soon as we possibly can. So thank you, Alan, and everybody else. If you have other ideas about gamification or if you just want to talk to us for any reason, email help at thinkinglsat.com. Um, I get all those emails, and it's kind of been our quiet season lately. We're, you know, in the holidays now, and uh, it's been kind of quiet. So you got a real good chance of getting on the show if you uh, email help at thinkinglsat.com. Yeah. All right. Look at this next thing. This is coming from, this is a forwarded email. Okay. It's a forwarded email chain, actually, between an applicant and Belmont Law School. Okay. Which I had never heard of before. Have you heard of Belmont? No. Belmont University, um, they... uh, it's look looks like U.S. News ranked 134th, so well down into the regional <laughs> law school world. Uh, they are in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Cool town. You've been to Nashville? I love Nashville. No, but actually just talking this morning about going there. So. You should go. It's fantastic. Um, this law school is not fantastic. Their uh, 50th percentile LSAT is 158 uh, 50th percentile GPA is 3.71. And this is a back and forth um, <laughs> between an applicant and the admissions office. By the way, this school gives 56% of their class some sort of a scholarship, including um, 26% of the class gets somewhere between half and full. 
24% of the class gets full tuition. So this is a, you know, half the class getting half or more paid for. So if you're not getting a scholarship, you're paying for someone else's scholarship. It's like one to one. Yep. They're playing the same game as everyone else, right? If you're really not playing this game at this point in the season, I don't know how you can compete as a law school. Right. And and then they say something very worrisome. Okay. So do we want to start with the email at the top from A? Yeah. yeah read A, what A says. Okay. This is A's email to us and including... Uh, whatever the emails he got below that. Okay, hi guys. Have you ever heard of any school doing this? I thought schools only cared about your top score. I feel like they're going out of their way to be assholes and I don't see how this benefits them either. Thanks, <laughs> A. Okay, so now here's the email. Here's the thing that they are doing to be assholes. They're not doing it to be assholes. They're they're doing it because they're dumb. But here's the email from from them. Well, should we let's start with the email from from the original email from the Yeah, which I think student. we can just paraphrase. Uh, okay. A A sent in and said, "Hey, um, I'm an admitted student, but you haven't given me a scholarship yet. Your school is my top choice, but before I make a deposit, I I need to know about scholarship information because without a scholarship, I will not be able to attend." Which is the exact perfect thing to say to a school like this. You okay. you can't go to this law school and pay them. That that would be a tragic mistake. Okay. Um, okay, so what do they say back? Yeah, this is what they say back. Hi, A, thank you for reaching out. When a student takes multiple LSATs, we average the LSAT scores together. Your what? LSATs, what? <laughs> Why? Let to me, what end? Let me speak directly to, uh, to uh, what is the school again? Belmont. Yep. Belmont, you only have to report the highest LSAT for every member of the incoming class. U.S. News only ever knows about the highest LSAT for every member of the incoming class. Part of their law school ranking is determined by the highest LSAT for each member of the incoming class. Yep. If you average scores, that means that you are preferring candidates who have a lower high LSAT on record. So you are... You are lowering the number that you're going to end up reporting ultimately on your 509 report. So you are lowering your U.S. News and World Report ranking by this policy. Yeah, you're taking... I could be wrong about all that. But that's my analysis, is that that's what's happening. Am I right? No, it has to be right. Because as soon as you start averaging... By definition, you have to be lowering the score that you're going to consider for any applicant. Any applicant that has two or more LSAT scores on record, you are now lowering, (laughs) unless they got the same score twice, you are lowering the score you are going to attribute to them. Let's think about a simple example. Yep. Okay, so student A scores 150 and 170. Okay, so their average is 160, and that's Student how you're treating B them. B takes it once uh, and gets a 162. Okay, so based on your methodology, you would favor the 162 single score over the two-time score with an average of 160. But now that means you're passing. So then you're going to say, oh, the 162 is better than the 160. Unfortunately, the 160 actually has a 170 in her pocket. And now you're passing that up. 
So you're preferring the applicant who will pull down you your ranking to report a 162 to the world instead of reporting a 170 to the world, thereby lowering your law school ranking. Maybe this is this, the, we're confusing cause and effect here. The the reason this school is lowly ranked, <laughs> right, is well, because they have this policy. <laughs> I've been hypothesizing this for years on the show. I have yeah. I, I've always had this idea in my head that like if a school averages, then they're dumb and you don't want to go to that school because they're not playing the broader game very well. And I would have hypothesized, I did hypothesize that they would have lower rankings because of this policy. Well, here mm -hmm. we have a low ranked school with this policy and it's like, uh, they could be lying. Maybe this isn't their actual policy, but if they're telling the truth and this is their actual policy, boy, if I was in the administration at this school, I would require them to explain to me why this is their policy. Yeah, you, you could switch the conversation from I'm not going to come unless I get a scholarship to I'm not going to come unless you explain to me why you have this stupid policy. Well, if like, I was the boss, make... I would just be firing the admissions office. I mean, I'd be like, yeah. hey, are you guys that dumb that you're not playing the game that we have to play? Like, do we I mean, and, you know, there could be some reason. I don't I don't I'm not from Tennessee. I don't know shit really about Nashville other than I love it. I have no idea what the legal market is like, and maybe there are some reasons why Belmont Law would not care about their U.S. News ranking. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I, my understanding is that those rankings, I work with thousands of LSAT students. and Why are LSAT they giving out scholarships are, if they don't care about the right. ranking? You're like, what? what, right. what? <laughs> Every law school applicant is intensely interested in these rankings. So do you want your school to be prestigious or not? Uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just struggling to understand. If I, I like to fantasize about being the boss, I guess. But if I was the, you know, well, we do have this. I'd be like, hey, why? We do have the email. Maybe we, uh, maybe we email them and ask. Students who typically receive scholarship, scholarship meet and or exceed both of our median markers. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I, I missed a sentence. Your LSAT score averages below our median marker of a 158. Median marker of a 158. <laughs> so that's just the median at that school. Yep. Is a 158. And so this is, but I mean, God damn it. Like I really do. My, my current belief, I can be wrong. I'm a man of science. I'm open to changing my mind. My current belief is that they don't understand the game that they're supposed to be playing because they're telling this applicant, well, your your average is below our median. But that median on the 509 comes from the highest score, not from the average score. I mean, it, the best response to this may be a factual one. Say, yeah. okay, um, let's start with some facts. The highest score on record is the one that you will report to the 509. <laughs> yeah. Like why? Um, and then maybe a simple question, like, is there a that, reason to average? That would be a good response for A, to send back to the school to go, well, hold on a second. This median, I assume you're referring to the median of 158 that's reported on your ABA 509 report, but that median is derived from the highest LSAT score for each applicant. My highest LSAT score 
is whatever it is. I don't think A shared that with us. Yeah. But whatever it is, your highest LSAT score might be higher than their 75th percent of 161. And you might explain to them that if they admit you, those numbers will go up, not down. (laughs) This person seems to be, this person seems to be thinking that, that, that A would lower the prestige of their school, but that's not how this works. Man, isn't that, that's a crazy thought that this player in the game is unaware of how the game is played. It's not that surprising because this is, as I said, a law school that is ranked 134th in the country. I mean, they're right between Toledo University and Chapman University. I know, but it's it's like it's like watching like a baseball game or something and, and seeing a team only send out six players. Bad. And you're like, hey, what are you doing? You see the other team? They got more players on the field. And it's like, well. Bad teams are bad. <laughs> I mean, this isn't. You know, like the NFL, there are some pretty shitty teams in the NFL, but it's still, there's only like 30 teams or whatever it is, right? Yeah, yeah. We got 160 (laughs) or 200. There's no differentiation between the majors and the minors in law schools. They're all just accredited by the ABA. So we're all in the big leagues. But, you know, this is a school that's clearly not in the big leagues. And it's not that surprising that they are playing the game in a not big league manner. Hmm. Okay. Students who typically receive scholarship meet and or exceed both of our median markers of an LSAT score of 158 and a GPA of a 3.71. At this time, we are... Those are directly off of the 509s. And this person does not know where that data comes from on the 509. (laughs) They don't understand. Maybe we've done belmont.edu. You know what? I'm going to root for belmont.edu because... If they change their policy, I expect them to improve that ranking from 134. I bet they can crack the top 100 if they just stop this stupid policy of averaging LSATs. Y'all are hurting yourselves, Belmont. Why are you hurting yourselves? Stop averaging LSAT scores. Nobody else is doing that. That's why your ranking sucks. Oh, wait, we got we to dig into this next sentence. At this time, we are not able to offer you a scholarship. We operate from a finite budget. Well, that's true for the entire planet, by the way. So if things do change, we can let you know. Please let me know if you have any additional questions. So my question to you, <laughs> this claim, we op- operate from a finite budget, yet you just told me that they're giving scholarships to over 50% of the 56% class. 56% of the class gets a scholarship. That's so, fact. yeah. I think every th- organization, every human being on this planet is operating within a finite budget. Yeah, that's just, we that's have one limited... Those, re- <laughs> that's one of those bullshit things where you just throw in a reason just to have a reason, yeah. even though the reason yeah. is like irrelevant to the thing you're actually yeah. saying. You're just like, well, yeah. I mean, you know, COVID. Yeah, COVID. Well, that's been the universal excuse so, for everything. <laughs> you know. We don't offer peanuts on the plane anymore because of COVID. Like, what? <laughs> right. Yeah, we don't... <laughs> Yeah, we don't have garbage cans on the golf course anymore because of COVID. It's like, no, that's because you're lazy and you wanted to cut your budget because of COVID. Okay. Um, All right. I would love to see Belmont change this policy. I I really do think this is, I could be wrong and I'm not 100% on this, but I am over 50% that they just don't know the game that they're playing and they potentially could like immediately start improving their ranking 
by ending this dumb policy of averaging LSATs. No one else is doing that. Yeah, I would, if I were you, A, I would write a non-emotional email. Don't, don't be rude or anything. Just be polite and explain the facts as they, as, as we understand them. And then, um, ask if, I don't know, ask what, like, wouldn't it help <laughs> to admit me? No, I, I I'm above your fact, 150. Right. Yeah. If you have a 162, if your high LSAT is a 162 or higher, I would state the fact that admitting you, your high LSAT is higher than their 75th percentile. And so admitting you would tend to make the those numbers go up. Yep. <laughs> and the average <laughs> has nothing to do with it. Yep. God damn it. All right. Well, I mean, you know, that's like, I've said it a million times. I just don't think you want to go to a law school that's doing that. Because if that's really what they're doing, then they are lowering their own prestige. Like they're just, they have a policy that, shoots themselves in the foot every time they implement it. And yep. that's not the type of law school that you want to have on your resume forever. No, they're not going to they're not going to continue to grow or improve. I mean, sometimes we buy stocks precisely because we see the potential in that company. I'm not seeing potential in Belmont if they can't figure out how to play the game. Yeah, that's a bad policy, guys. You got to stop doing that. And also, it doesn't even make any sense Otherwise, like just if we if we talk about it on the merits, like, are you telling me that you some for some reason you prefer people who took the LSAT fewer times? Why? You don't want yeah. somebody who tried harder, studied harder, took it again and got a higher score. Why? You want to punish someone for a single bad effort, like a bad day that was due to circumstances entirely out of their control like proctor you fucked up or their internet fucked up or or just was... simple ignorance i just took the test and i shouldn't have right. and now, then Which i figured out how the game is played lot, especially at that level right they must have yeah. mountains of applicants from people who just like oh i want to go to law school sign up for the official lsat take the official lsat get yep. a 140 then realize, oh, wait a second, this is something that I should study for. You have lots of those applicants. And what you're telling me is you want to punish them for not knowing the game before they started? Yeah. Why? It's strange. No, it's very, very strange. Especially since, I mean, all that ha there's a certain amount of luck that's involved with people who have one or two yeah, two LSAT scores on record, and they're very good. Um, sometimes people are extraordinarily prepared, and they still just don't perform as well on the actual test day, and they have to take it two or three times. That's just how they this be process sick. goes. Like maybe they yeah. didn't sleep well. Maybe they there was construction going on outside while they were trying to Proctor take the you, test. and they didn't Proctor know they could. You kept challenging interrupting it. them. There's a, a just a thousand things that can go wrong. And why are you holding those? You know, it's like that was two hours of their life when they put that bad score on record. And you're going to punish them for that instead of rewarding them for the three months that they then decided to prep and retake the test and maybe retake the test multiple times and eventually get a number on their record that reflects their actual ability. Why would you be punishing that? Yeah, <laughs> just and that's a whole separate argument besides the argument of 
please play the game. Like, if you want to compete with other law schools, you have to play the game and do what they're doing, which is gaming the 509 reports by only caring about the highest score. All right. All righty. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Be LSAT famous. Get on an upcoming show by emailing help at thinkinglsat.com. If you have questions about the LSAT demon, email help at lsatdemon.com. Check out our other podcast, LSAT Demon Daily, which comes out every day, as suggested by the title, Monday through Friday. Anyways, that was episode 330 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. Okay.